Okay, so today... Oh, it's already up there. Right, let me get my notes ready. So just to start off, I had a dream last night, and it's not like a Martin Luther kind of dream. It was a dream where um, I forgot my notes... My brain went blank this morning. I didn't bring my keynote, which almost didn't happen. Thanks, Sai, for sorting that out for me. Um, And five minutes into me talking, you all just stood up and walked out. (laughs) So I already feel like this is going 100 times better than my dream. So um, (laughs) just um, that's how I felt like this morning. It's all up from here compared to my dream. Okay, so this morning we're continuing on our Arrow series. So our Arrow series throughout the year is we're looking at what we can let go of and what we can go further with. So today we're continuing our study of David, and today is looking at David and Saul. So we're looking at letting go of bitterness and jealousy and how we can go further with humility and grace. And and we've been looking in 1 Samuel. Now, Samuel in the Bible is a really, really good character study. Um, and Samuel originally was all one book, but because it was such a long book, they split it into 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. So we're, we're just going to be in 1 Samuel this morning. Samuel is all about the prophet Samuel, and then it talks about the rise and fall of Saul, and then the rise and fall of David. So we're going to be looking at um, comparing and contrasting Saul and David, and what we can learn, what lessons, what warning lessons we can learn from Saul, and what examples we can learn from David this morning. Okay, so David and Saul... Um, are remembered for vastly different things. Everybody knows David is remembered as a man after God's own heart. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Quiet. But yeah, God's, God, David was a man after God's heart. Saul, on the other hand, don't really remember that much about him. He's not, he's not held up as one of, the main, um, one of the main characters in the Old Testament, not somebody that we all necessarily aspire to be like. So that's why we're going to be looking at them. But they're not vastly different. There were similarities between Saul and David. They were both unexpected kings. They weren't from royal bloodlines. In fact, they were both the first kings of Israel. Saul was the first and David was the second. There wasn't any kings before that. They were both making their way kind of for themselves. Um, They were both chosen by God and anointed by Samuel the prophet. And they're both described in the Bible as attractive, and they both, throughout them, Samuel had many mistakes. So it's not that one of them was all good and one of them was all bad, that's not true. They both were flawed men, um, but the differences between them made all the difference for their ongoing story. They were similar, but the differences made all the difference. Okay, so we're going to look at three different um, concepts. We're going to look at their differences between how they're championed. We're going to look at the differences within their character and the differences with how they're connected with God. So champion, character, connect. That's what we're looking at this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to start by reading two passages um, in Samuel. And we're just going to reference different parts throughout Samuel because we've already talked about Samuel quite a bit. So I'm just going to read two parts. Just bear with me as I find it in my Bible. So the first is, if you, want, if you want to turn in your Bibles, is 1 Samuel 18, um, 5 onwards. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from the message. Okay. Whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it, and did it well. So well that Saul put him in charge of his military operations. Everybody, both people in general and Saul's servants, approve and admired David's leadership. 
As they returned home after David had killed the Philistines, the women poured out in, out of all the villages of Israel, singing and dancing, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs, lutes, and in prayerful frolic, the women sang, Saul kills by the thousands, David by the ten thousand. This made Saul angry, very angry. He took it as a personal insult. Notice they weren't, they weren't insulting Saul. They were praising Saul as well. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they have credited David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. From that moment onwards, Saul kept his eye on David. The next day, an ugly mood was sent by God to afflict David, who came quite beside himself, raving. David played his harp as he usually did at such times. David had, um, Saul had a spear in his hand, and suddenly Saul threw the spear, thinking, I'll nail David to the wall. David ducked and missed the spear. This happened twice. Now Saul feared David. It was clear that God was with David and had left Saul. So Saul got David out of his sight by making him an officer in the army. David was in combat frequently. Oh, thanks for flicking that on. <laughs> David was in combat frequently. Everything David did turned out well. Yeah, yes, God was with him. As Saul saw David becoming more and more successful, he grew himself more fearful. He could see the handwriting on the wall. But everyone else in Israel and Judah loved David. They loved watching him in action. Okay, so that is the start of, of Saul feeling angry, resentful, and murderous towards David, okay? Then what happens from then onwards? So David continues working under Saul's command. David is very successful. David leads out um, many armies and fights and wins many wars, all for Saul. Um, and, um, and eventually Saul keeps on trying to kill him, and eventually David then flees from Saul. So just avoiding him isn't working anymore, and he eventually flees him. So we're going to skip on a bit to now to Samuel... 24, and we're going to just read 1 to 11. When Saul came back after dealing with the Philistines, he was told David is now in the wilderness in En Gedi. Saul took three companies, the best he could find in all Israel, and set out in search of David and his men in the region of the wild goat rocks. He came... He came to some sheep pens along the road. There was a cave there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were huddled far back in the, very, in the same cave. David's men whispered to him, Can you believe it? This is the day that God was talking about, when he said, I'll put your enemy in your hands. You can do whatever you want with him. Quiet as a cat, David crept up and cut off a piece of Saul's royal robe. Immediately he felt guilty and he said to his men, God forbid that I should have done this to my master, God's anointed, that I should so much have raised a finger against him. He's God's anointed. And David held his men in check with these words and wouldn't let them pounce on Saul. Saul got up and left the cave and went down the road. David stood at the mouth of the cave and called to Saul, my master, my king. Saul looked back and David fell on his knees and bowed in reverence. He called out, why do you listen to those who say that David is out to get you? This very day, with your very own eyes, you have seen just now that in the, and now in the cave God put you in my hands. My men wanted to kill you, but I wouldn't do it. I told them that I won't lift a finger against my master. He's God's anointed. Oh, my father, look at this. Look at this piece I cut from your robe. I could have cut you, killed you, but I didn't. Look at the evidence. I'm not against you. I am no rebel. So, 
Sorry, I didn't flick that one on either. Did you guys do it? Oh, thank you. Championing. Championing. David um, had a lot to champion about him. David was uh, really successful. David was doing really, really well. There was a lot of good things to say about David. David um, uh, was doing everything that he could in order to bring um, victory to Saul. And yet Saul couldn't find it within himself to champion him. Um, There was a lot of good things that Saul could have said about David, but he couldn't. And why? That wasn't because David wasn't doing anything well. The reason why Saul couldn't champion David was because of Saul's issues, was because of Saul's jealousy, was because of what was going on in Saul. It was nothing to do with David. Um, David, on the other hand, had quite a lot of negative things that he could have said about Saul. Just putting aside the murderous bit for one second. Um, Saul had like in, in, in um, chapter 13 he'd like directly disobeyed God and when he was challenged and confronted about that he didn't, he didn't apologise and, and say I'm really really sorry he argued and justified why he did what he did and then at the end he kind of said sorry but it kind of was a bit it came across a bit like alright then sorry rather than I'm, re- I'm really genuinely sorry God that I disobeyed you De- Saul made many mistakes Saul was um, was, was not doing necessarily a great job at leading and there was a lot that David could have criticised. David had already been anointed to become the king so David could have already sat back in a place and looked at him and criticised and thought, well I wouldn't do it that way, I wouldn't do that, I wouldn't do it like that, I think I could do a better job than that. Does that sound like a voice that people often hear or often think in their own head? I personally wouldn't do it like that. But if you want to do it like that, fine. That could have been the attitude that David had, but David didn't have that attitude. David actually didn't have that much to champion about Saul. But regardless of that, David championed Saul. And what I love about it is that not only did David say, no, I am follow- Saul is God's anointed and Saul is the king and I am going to follow um, Saul. David didn't just leave it there. David made those around him champion Saul. He said to those around him, no, we are not doing that. We are not standing for that. We are not, how dare us? We are not lifting a finger against Saul's head. He's the king. We are going to show him the respect that he deserves as our king. And I think that's amazing because I don't know about you, but me, um, sometimes I can be in a situation where maybe I think something negatively, but I don't necessarily voice it. But I go to my friends who may say those negative things for me. I can't believe they did that to you. I can't believe that they said that. I can't believe that they put you through that. And you just sit there thinking, feeling a bit like your ego's just being scratched, feeling a bit like you feel justified in how you're feeling, and you allow those people to say those things. So even if it's not just you doing the talking, we allow those around us to do the talking for us to give us a bit of a boost. My, everyone's like looking really blankly at me. Is that just me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. because we, we go to those people who say things that we want to hear. And I love that not only did David have the courage not to say those things, David had the courage to step forward and say, no, we do not speak about our king like that. We do not act against our king like that. We are going to be united and we are going to respect him. And we are going to say, Saul, this is not what God called you to be. You are the anointed king. He called out of Saul, even though there wasn't much good what Saul was doing, he could still call out of Saul what God what God had put in Saul, what God had said about Saul. Yeah? Okay. 
So what I what my first kind of challenge is, let's not champion each other just when it's easy. Let's champion each other in the challenge and let's champion each other in the conflict. I want to be a person like David that doesn't just champion those that there's a lot to say for, that doesn't just champion those who are like, that champions those that are, ne- that are against me, that ch- I want to champion people in difficult times. I want to champion people where it feels like that's the last thing I want to do. Yeah? Okay. I feel like everyone's really sleepy this morning. <laughs> okay. So, at least you're not all talking and walking out. That's fine. I'm going to take that as a win. (laughs) Um, Okay, so next we're going to look at character. So, character. Oh, I'm a bit ahead of that quote. Um, So, David was willing to see throughout the passage that he was wrong. David was willing to see um, that he, he had made mistakes. So David, obviously, later on in Samuel, um, you may already know that David has an affair and arranges a, the, a killing of Bathsheba's husband. Um, and, and as soon as David's confronted by that, he falls on his face. He is deeply ashamed. He is deeply sorry. You can read Psalm 51 because that's what he wrote following that incident. He is a broken man and he is on his face and he is so, so sorry. You can, um, there's many times in the Psalms where David is on his face before God because he is, he is broken and he knows that he is not worthy of God. David was willing and was open to seeing when he was wrong and when he, when he had made mistakes. Saul, on the other hand, had a big blind spot. Saul was hugely jealous of David, and I'm not even sure if he knew that he was jealous of David, but his jealousy caused his inability to champion David. His jealousy caused an inability for him to be able to move forward and his, and his um, unwillingness to acknowledge his blind spot or his shadow um, meant that he was unable to move forward. His not acknowledging his blind spot kept him in that position. And we can see that throughout Samuel because several times he tried to kill David and, after, and afterwards he said, I'm really sorry, David, I shouldn't have done that. But then again, he goes and tries to kill him again, like trying to kill him. That's not a little thing, like that's huge. And he made the same mistake again and again and again. And the reason is because he kept himself in that, the, the same behavior cycle. He could see that it was wrong, but he didn't get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem was him. The root of the problem was what was going on inside of him. Jung is a psychologist. I'm going to get up my... So Jung is a psychologist, and Jung describes shadow as this. The shadow personifies everything that the subject refuses to acknowledge about himself, and yet is always thrusting itself on him, directly or indirectly. That's what our shadow does. That's what our blind spot does. It's the same pattern of behavior that repeats throughout our lives, unless we directly acknowledge it and deal with it and sort it. On the Emotionally Healthy um, Discipleship website, it explains it, I think, a bit better. I don't know whether that's probably a bit small, so I'll read it out. Everyone has shadow. Shadows are those untamed emotions and behaviours. They may be sinful. They may simply be weaknesses. Most importantly, they lie concealed just beneath the surface of our more proper selves. They may erupt in judgmental perfectionism, outbursts of anger, jealousy, resentment, lust, 
greed or murderous tendencies. At other times, they emerge through our need to rescue people, our seemingly endless need to be noticed, our inability to stop working, our isolation or our rigidity. Our shadows are the damaged versions of who we are. They are behaviours we use to protect ourselves from actually changing. We keep them hidden because they make us feel so vulnerable. There's so many different behaviours um, there. I like that it lists murderous tendencies because that's obviously what we're talking about um, with Saul. But there's so many things there that we have as behaviours that are in our unconscious. And unless we bring them to the light and recognise them and actively um, work, work to... Um, to to uh, like yeah work with them and work on ourselves we are just going to stay the same we're not going to be willing to to um to change in um uh, matthew 7 it talks about um the log in in our in our own eye and it says don't take the speck out of other people's eye but actually deal with the log in your own eye when your, eye is, when your eye has got a log in it, you, you can't see clearly. Everything you see is, is skewed by this log in your eye. And what, what you tend to do is then see the log out there in the world. See the problems out there with that person over there, this person. This always happens to me. They always treat me like that. This always is going on for me. Rather than thinking, let me look at me, because that's the only thing I can control. Let me look inward and see what my issues are and deal with my issues. And if everybody does that, then there's not going to be as much, um, there's not going to be as much logs out in the world. So we all have responsibility to look inward, look at ourselves and look what we've got going on way, way, way before we start looking at each other and picking on each other. If we don't think that we've got a shadow, if we don't recognise our shadow, then we're at risk of being Saul. We're at risk of being Saul in this story and not David um, in this story. Okay, so how do we champion people when it's not easy? And how do we look at our um, issues? Well, the answer is always connecting with God. The answer is always how we connect um, with God. Um, it's unclear to me when I've read when I read through Samuel. It's unclear what exactly is Saul's relationship with God. He he does know God, and there is points of contact with God, but they're often through the prophet Samuel, and it's not necessarily a full repentance. It's kind of a more half-hearted um, apology. Sometimes when he feels like God's not listening, he then goes to other mediums to hear what he should do. So I'm not 100% sure. It's not very clear what Saul's relationship with God is, but it is crystal clear to me what David's relationship with God is. David, you just have to, David wrote like about half the Psalms and you just read through Samuel and just see what David's heart is. David worshipped God. The other thing is, often when Saul was in these moods, he got David in to play the harp and to worship. Isn't that interesting? Saul obviously felt something about that connection and presence with God, but him himself doesn't say that him himself worshipped God. David worshipped God. Read through the Psalms and see how open David was with God. He was honest. He was raw. He wrestled with things with God. He praised God. He got down on his face. He danced with all his might. He became undignified. He spoke to God and cried out to God in the good times and in the bad times. It is crystal clear throughout every season of David's life where David's connection was with God. 
Um, and so we need to make sure that throughout every season in our life, through busy seasons, through um, quieter seasons, through difficult and through good and through bad, that we have daily, weekly, yearly rhythms prioritised as our connection um, with God. Oh, I've gone too far. Um, in, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to read uh, <laughs> in Matthew uh, 11. I just want to just read um, this from um, the message version. Matthew 11:28 to 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. That sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, And so I feel that that we need to... We, I just feel we're in a really great great position because we've got we've got Lent coming up in a few weeks and God's really been challenging me about what I'm going to do with my Lent this year because this year we want to go further. This year I want to let go of things and I want to go further. Um, so I feel really challenged that this Lent, as a as a as a family, um, don't want to do something like giving up chocolate or I don't know what's the thing giving up meat at the minute that's what everyone's um, that's the new thing isn't it going vegan I don't know something like that something that's just the self-discipline seeing if I can do it because it's good for me because it's healthy I want to do something that means I go further with my connection with God and God's really been challenging me um what is what is the busyness in my mind you know is it um is it a box flick? Um, box flicks. That's mixing up Netflix and box set. Is it a box flicks? There you go. <laughs> is it Netflix or watching box sets? Is it um, Instagram or Facebook? Is it, um, is it that you check in your work emails last thing at night and first thing in the morning or even checking them throughout the night? What is that thing that you just can't put down? What is that thing that just hums on in your head um, frequently? And I really want to just challenge us to just make space, even if you are one of these incredible people that all your lives you have got up at 5.30 and prayed, I, want, I just really feel that God is just saying, I might have something new, I might have a new rhythm, a new, a new, um, a new thing I want, to, I want to start. And I just want us as a church just to be willing to say, I'm not saying that means get up at 4.30, I just mean like be willing to just be like, God, what is it that you want? me to just let go of and see what is what's new thing what fresh thing what new rhythm do you want to um, connect with me in this season of preparing um if we're, yeah, preparing for you and preparing to go further um this year um yeah if the band could come back up I don't really have any specific response for today I just want us to just be thinking about how we can champion um, each other, how we can look inwards at our character and how we can connect with God. So, um, yeah, obviously we've got amazing, the whole Life to the Full series that we've got running throughout the year, Freedom in Christ, then Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and then Life to the Full. They're all really great um, courses to do, to look at, at your character, to look at your connection with God and to look at some of the root causes um, of things we have going on. 
I personally um, once was championed by somebody um, um, who was going through something really, really hard and all they wanted was something that I had and, and it was something that they desperately wanted. And do you know what? They championed me. Every single day they prayed for me. Every single day they thanked God for the gift that I had. And that broke me. And as you can see, it still breaks me. <laughs> it still breaks me because I will never forget that till the day I die. The love that I felt from that person till the day I die. And I want to be that person for somebody else. I want to be that person that champions in my absolute pain. That champions when I can't. That when I just feel like I don't want to champion, I want to be that person. And if I'm completely honest, I would love to be like David. But I think more times than not, I'm probably more like Saul. More times than not, I probably don't champion when it's hard. More times than not, I probably don't um, look inward and look at me. I think I look outward and look at everyone else's problems. And more time than not, I don't stay rooted in God through the thick and the thin. So let's stand up together. Church, I want... This year, let's let go of bitterness and jealousy and let's work actively, purposefully and deliberately as to how we can go further with grace and humility. Okay, I think let's just spend time in God's presence.